everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there, Steve. Hey. Now. Yeah. Hey now. And we're... <laughs> <laughs> and today we are talking uh, a non-traversy, Tempest in a Teacup sort of thing surrounding the latest release for Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. So, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, because didn't uh, Z- uh, Xanthar, Xananthar already have a guide to everything? Yeah, so now it's Cauldron that's got everything in it. It's like a, it's like a veritable gumbo, except it's gumbo as made by people who have never seen gumbo. <laughs> I'm gumbo, damn it. That's right. Now, why don't you fill in everybody in on what this uh, Tempest in the Teacup is? Okay, so just to be clear, we're not talking about this entire book. Because most of this book is really stuff that D&D has been producing over the past couple of years. Right. Just additions to like character choices, classes, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, the big controversy with, with D&D recently has been there was an announcement that they were going to work towards um, ending uh, race alignments. Mm-hmm. So you would no longer have uh, evil races. No orcs aren't evil intrinsically, basically. Right. And uh, a bunch of motherfuckers went apeshit crazy over this. Um, because, I don't know, orcs have to be evil. Whatever. And uh, a lot of people thought Tasha's Cauldron of Everything was going to be the book that addressed this and, and finally put, put the Wizards of the Coast foot down. And uh, at, that actually never happened. <laughs> Not yet. Right. In fact, in fact, um, the material in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything that was supposed to cover this isn't even really a full page one two doesn't actually do much of anything yeah so i honestly don't really think that this book was meant to cover that i think they had this shit written out and ready to go and because i can't find anything from wizards that says this is it this is the one this is the big one but I have found a lot of like people like us, right? <laughs> you and me, uh, sitting here saying this is great. This is, or it's not enough because it really isn't enough. This or, is the big thing we've all been waiting for, and right. And then on the other I, side I of that, it, I don't think it is. And then, and then there's people who are like freaking out uh, because it changes something. It does change has the potential, sorry, to change something very fun to, fundamental to D&D character creation. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, and people are freaking out about that. Right. So, without further ado, <laughs> the big reveal is race is no longer tethered to not alignment, but anything. Right. So what they've done is they've just made 
a few optional rules that most people have been homebrewing forever. Right. <laughs> um, where if you want to play a certain race, you don't have to take the uh, bonuses for for your attributes that are in the player's handbook. Right. You just take the same at basically the you turn the attribute bonuses that you would get in the player's handbook into a series a series of points and you can spend up to two on one, you know, and one on the other. You can't spend one them all on the, on the same um, whatever that happens to be and it's supposed to be to help customize your character. But in reality, it's more optimization for men maxers to be able to uh, create builds that are optimal for whatever it is they want to play. Right. Now, it says it right in black and white that it's optional. Right. (laughs) Um, It goes a little bit beyond all this, too. You can swap proficiencies out. Basically, Mm. all it does is take the hard and fast rules that, that are in the player's handbook mm. um, for little minor tweaks to your character and just says they exist, but it's a lot looser than it was before. So if you want to create a gnome that is a fighter, you can do that now. You could do it before, but you could do it now and have him like have a s- significant attack bonus because his strength is, is, can have a, a bonus on it. Mm. Whereas before gnomes didn't have a bonus on their strength, that kind of thing. Right. So yes, I, I guess it adds to the diversity of potential characters out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, if you really want to have a, your gnome fighter, this is the book for you, or this is the page out of the book for you. <laughs> right. Right. Not really. Even um, the- but, but I would say one problem with this is is it's not even an errata or or any type of official player's handbook sort of source. It's an optional source book um, that you don't need to play. And if you want to actually have these rules as they're written on your table, you have to go out and shell out the however much this fucking thing costs. It's probably like 50 bucks. Well, there's that. And in official play, eventually, mm-hmm. if that is still going on, uh, you, if I remember correctly, you're only allowed to use one non-core uh, book to help with your character. So right. you can use, your, you use the player's handbook is there. It's a core book. It's there. But um, all the other material, Adventures, um, Sword Coast Adventures book, this book, um, Xanathar's the, the Xanathar, right? All of that you could only use one of them. Mm-hmm. So there's that as well. To and that's for official D and D adventures league, and I could see why you would do that because it can get crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but. The big question that everybody's been railing on D&D from both sides is uh, having evil, char- having evil, not characters, but races. Mm-hmm. And this attempts, there is an attempt to decouple alignment from race 
baked into what this is, but for players. Right. So there's this section where it talks about how you you can uh, have backgrounds mm-hmm. and you can have uh, backgrounds that are contrary to your typical racial background um, for whatever character you want to have. This really isn't breaking new ground either, as in uh, Volos, which you had mentioned before, uh, deals with just that, where you can have monstrous playing player characters. Right, right. Well, I mean, you know, 5th edition itself already decoupled alignment from class. Uh, We've spoken several times about how paladins don't necessarily have to be lawful good anymore, or monks don't have to remain lawful to keep their monk abilities. So why hasn't this just been expanded to the player's handbook? I mean, evil in Dungeons and Dragons and most fantasy settings is is not a, necessarily a matter of perspective or you know point of view to you know whoever the protagonists are. It's a it's an actual metaphysical concept. You know, evil actually exists as a thing, and right. you know. But for years, it's not hyperbole. Right. It's not hyperbole. (laughs) Evil exists. And, you know, you're. I I can understand maybe, you know, if there's some type of lore explanation. But, you know, with all of the shit that's available for for Forgotten Realms going all the way back to, you know, second edition and Ed Greenwood, uh, you know, it's. There's not any, like, lore that says orcs have to be evil. It's just that's the way the player's handbook has it. And there are mechanical effects. Uh, I believe there's... Is there still a spell called Detect Evil? Or Protection Uh, from Evil? I believe there's uh, Detect Evil. Well, I think it's uh, Detect Good slash Evil and Protection from Good or Evil. Right, right. Those Swiss Army Knife kind of spells. You know, yeah, paladins uh, aura. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird that D and D is the only game, the only game, maybe Pathfinder, mm-hmm. that uses alignment, right? Uh, aside from D and D knockoffs, right? Of right. Pathfinder is one, but even like some of the um, the OSR stuff. Uh, doesn't have good or evil in it anymore. It's like lawful, neutral, or chaotic. Right. They go with the um, the BX model of of alignment, which is lawful, neutral, and chaos. And there's a if you just go by those terms, that's a wide range of interpretation. An orc might be chaotic, but what does that mean? Right. You know. But evil is definitely a metaphysical kind of thing. Right. And it's it's just. No other game does that. So I, I guess now that we're going to take this from what's actually on the page here to why are people pissed off because uh, Wizards of the Coast wants to um, do away with having aligned races? Mm-hmm. What, what is so pissed off about that? Because we play Traveler. Right. And you run into evil people all the time in Traveler, mm-hmm. right? You right. run into some motherfuckers, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know they're 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 definitely well, their interests do not align with your interests, <laughs> right? Right. 
And really, in role playing, in a role playing game, that's all you need. Mm-hmm. That that is enough tension. So, oh, but I want orcs to be evil. Well, you know, the civilization of orcs can have their interests running contrary to the dwarf human elf populations. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily make them evil. It makes them an enemy, sure. But that's right. different. That's a different thing. So you could still go out and fight all the orcs you want because, you know, they're the enemy. Mm-hmm. Don't make them evil. And I don't know why D&D has just stuck so long to this good evil thing. Dichotomy, yeah. I mean, hell, we've played D&D. Uh, you've run it, I've run it, um, you know, and all of us have played some version of it over the years. Who actually plays their fucking alignment anyway? Nobody. To be honest with you, I don't think I've ever, ever in, how old am I? So I'm going to say in like, you know, 40 some odd years of playing D&D. All five editions. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever played a game where alignment really mattered. Right. At all. Ever. Ever. And I I think the closest I've ever come was people uh, subverting alignment. Mm -hmm. um, Where you would have uh, orcs that aren't evil, right? Right. Uh, like your sailors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, orc sailors, they were pretty cool. Sailors and um, shipwrights. Uh, and then when, when we played the, the um, what is it, the, the Sunken Citadel? Mm-hmm. The, place the Sunless was Citadel we had. Sun, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you were getting along well with the goblins that were down there, or the kobolds. Kobolds. Yeah, I mean, because... They were just trying to, to live. Right. <laughs> Their interests weren't aligned with the village that sent you in there. No. But they weren't bad people. Nope, they weren't. They they actually hired the adventuring party, if I recall correctly, to get rid of some goblins. Because right. the goblins were, like, slaughtering them. And yes. kobolds versus goblins is not exactly the... Uh, Balanced matchup that you might think right. it is. <laughs> so I, I just, I, I, once again, like I play a lot when you play a lot of, of different RPGs mm-hmm. and it's never um, running them and playing them. There's never a lack of enemies. Um, there's never a lack of reasons to involve yourself with enemies. Right. Um, and I think, honestly, I think saying uh, we're fighting these orcs because they're evil is a cop out. Right. You, you really kind of, uh, by, by trying to limit yourself to the alignment spectrum of, of an orc or any fantasy, uh, species, I'm, I'm really getting kind of like sick of the term race. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things and you only make the world building more enriched. If the orcs are, Oh, well, they're orcs and they're evil. Let's slaughter them all. Or, you know, it's like, okay, they're they're fighting over ancestral land and timber rights and shit like that. You know, when you bring 
the intrigue and the politics of these these two different peoples interacting then you start getting some interesting things going on because that allows the players to possibly solve things without resorting to being murder hobos and slaughtering <coughs> fat everything. Chance. Fat chance. Right. However, however, thinking your way through in alternative situations, you know, is one of the things that was intended when this game was created. We've That's we've seen a lot of people bitching about the information in Tasha's Saying, oh, well, I'm only going to play X edition because that's the way Gygax intended it. Well, really, Gygax and Ardenison and all of those guys never intended it to be a hack and slash fest. They intended it to be a group of people coming up with novel solutions to novel problems. Sometimes it might involve hacking and slashing till everyone's dead. That's why they're traps and puzzles and... And sometimes just overwhelming numbers. Yes, that's true as well. I mean, in this... Hold on, where is it? This edition right here. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm holding up the Dungeon Master's Rulebook for 83 Redbox Basic D&D. The pre-made adventure dungeon in here. The first encounter is... 30, count them, 30 kobolds. And I tried to run this for my kids. They tried to run in and kill everything that moves, and they all died from kobolds. You killed your own children. That's right. (laughs) Because they got to learn. Learn to seek alternative paths. Yes, so I just... I don't think that D&D's problems are going to be solved, or at least this particular issue is going to be solved unless you just get rid of alignment. Mm-hmm. Just 100% kick it to the curb. Nobody uses it. If they say they do, they're like playing, paying lip service to it. Right, or straight up lying. Right. Uh, oh, just so they have an excuse to kill orcs. Um but this Tasha's paragraph, no, it's a page. Ta- Tasha's page and a half or whatever doesn't, I don't think it was meant to address this issue at all. I think really it was meant to um, just to be something more for build min-maxers to mm-hmm. gush over. Right, or people, you know, because there are a lot of people getting into it now. Um Younger folks, folks that, you know, haven't been playing the various iterations that we have that are like, well, you know, what if I want to play against type? You know, I want the rules to reflect the fact that I'm that doing that rather than the uh, GM doing it. Now, that's the other thing that I wanted to address with this whole uh, non-troversy is that Dungeons & Dragons, any role-playing game, is... And exercise in creativity. Uh, both for the players and for the dungeon master. Uh, you do not need every single rule or every single thing you want out of the game spelled out for you by the official products. I mean, this is what house rules are for. Dungeons and Dragons itself started out as a bunch of fucking house rules. 
I will say uh, on that that in Tasha's Cauldron, mm-hmm. they, which is of the coast, has taken to calling these optional rules house rules, which is kind of bullshit. Right, uh, house house rules in terms of houses in the casino. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 optional. They're official optional rules. Mm-hmm. Now. I'm not saying that they're not derived from people's house rules. Right. But once the house rule becomes official, it's no longer a house rule. Right. A house rule is dependent on your table and who your GM is. A house rule is you collect uh, all the money in the, in the pot when you're playing monopoly and land on free parking. Mm -hmm. An official rule is if Hasbro is that Hasbro. Uh, Parker Brothers. So has Parker Brothers, whoever, uh, decides to make that, put that rule in the rule book as an option, then it's an optional rule, not a right. house rule. Right. Right. House rules are play groups, not official source material. Yes. And I don't care how folksy they're trying to be. Mm-hmm. That just is, that's wrong. Yeah, I think it's. I think they're trying to like. Oh well, you know. Hey, we're players too. You know, we're not the monolithic corporate entity of Hasbro. We're we're nerds who play games just like you are, and these are house rules. Yeah, but they're not. It's official product. It's official, optional ruling. Right. So, all that shit aside. Um, just like browsing through this book for the rest of it, it really is more of what they've been putting out mm-hmm. for this type of book, which isn't bad. I mean, it gives you more more um, subclasses to work with, right? And uh, there's rules for patrons, which is weird because like every other game I play just has patrons, right? <laughs> uh, there's rule- rules for sidekicks. So now um, I guess that um, uh, DM-controlled characters are now official, <laughs> right? Or, or you know, or but but that's what West characters are for. <laughs> West characters are the official sidekicks. They're they're PCs who get slapped around by other PCs. Well, I think I don't. I don't think that the definition of psychic that you're using is the same as they they are, but well, you know, I'm I'm thinking, you know, that famous comic panel that's in all the memes of <laughs> Batman slapping Robin, and uh, My that's parents are dead. that's right. That's why uh, that's what you do with your sidekick is they talk shit, you smack them. That's abuse. Um, the other big thing to come out of here that's weird is they have session zero advice Mm -hmm. and in that session zero advice they spend a lot of time talking about uh you know consent and gaming and uh hard and soft limits and stuff like that right and it's 2020 late 2020 and I distinctly remember, like, one or two years ago, every other company put out a pamphlet about just that. Mm-hmm. 
every, literally like uh, Evil Hat put one out, Monty Cook put one out. Shit, you probably even Chaosium, but but a, a number of companies put out these uh, Session Zero consented gaming um, pamphlets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if, if you want to talk about too little, too late, that's the too little, too late moment for me. Right? Everybody's it, behind, it, they're behind on it, that. Yeah, but they're they're way behind on that. And I mean, I guess for shame, Wizards of the Coast, why couldn't you have put out a digital fucking chat book like everyone else did mm-hmm. two years ago? Right. Put it into like the DMG errata or something like that. You know. People or read just that like shit. Free, free downloadable crap from a. They put out free downloadable crap every week. Yep, Unearthed Arcana. Unearthed Arcana. Yeah, there you go. Put it out as some Unearthed Arcana. So that I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about um, let's talk about session zeros and and how that those things actually work. I mean, not only have a lot of other companies been ahead of the curve on this and putting out uh, pamphlets about session zeros, getting your players together to talk about what sort of content is going to be featured, what the players expect, what the GM expects, and coming to some type of consensus about what's going to be a game that's fun for everybody. Because we've had a few in the gaming community, have had a few high-profile incidents where consent isn't exactly was the forefront of the gm's mind at the time right right there was a incident at a con where somebody was they were playing um uh not uh, tales from the loop mm-hmm. and there was like this big um sexual molestation assault on player characters that mm-hmm. happened um that like floored everybody involved except for the douchebag gm right um, and it's not really that you can have a session zero at a con because, but the, I'm saying that there should be like some sort of safeguards, especially if you're going out in public. If it's, if it's like you and your friends, um, I think at by the time you reach a certain point in playing, you kind of know what everybody's about mm-hmm. and what you can and can't do. Right. Right. So, so, session zeros for consent kind of things mm-hmm. and uh and limits are for new to me it's for newer groups mm-hmm. um like maybe maybe you're gonna start uh jamming at a comic book store right and people are right. paying like five bucks a, a session or whatever and right you know uh yeah then you you, you definitely need something there because you don't know anything about anybody there right or if you do you know it's going to be minimal and you know you don't know who you're talking to and you don't know what people have been through and yeah that's a great idea it it is Um, it is i mean you might be going up there you might be a great gm you might be very descriptive however your descriptions are a little too robert e howard visceral type of descriptions and there are people out there who are going to play this game who are survivors of abuse and other types of violent trauma and you know they don't want to think about arrows protruding from various locations and blood and gore and stuff like that that's not what they were here for they were they thought it was going to be willow type violence 
rather right. than a man with the iron fists. And and really, there's nothing wrong with with having that in your games, right? As long as everybody's cool with it, right? And that, that's a big thing is when this all this um, consent stuff came out a couple years ago. People were freaking out. I won't. I won't let anybody sit at my table who, you know, is going to object to this. I'm like, dude, you're playing with the same people you've been playing with for 35 fucking years. Of course, you know what, what the limits of these people are. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. But, but but now here in the 21st century, we've got a lot of new players coming into the game. We've got uh, the actual play phenomena where, a lot of folks are not friends playing around the table. They're actually cast for this production. Right. And and so they're kind of employees, so to speak, or volunteers. And, well, wasn't there an AP um, that had like some weird weird shit go down as well? Yep, there was a, another AP. They were playing with, like uh, Stars Without Numbers or something, right? Yep, it was a Stars Without Number game with a quote-unquote famous... GM who uh, who was shall remain nameless. Um, I don't remember who it was. Oh, I remember exactly who it was, and I'm not going to say their name. I'm not going to evoke their spirit or their or his supporters. But of course, it was a guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he portrayed a sequence uh, that was a bit shocking to all the other players in the group, and this was a streamed game. It was on camera, and you could see the reactions to all the other players and them voicing objections, and the sequence just kept going. You know, and no, that, that, and in fact, that ended up getting that particular game canceled. And uh, I think a lot of those folks were not working with that guy um, ever again. But yeah, that's that, but this, these examples are why a session zero, why talking consent are important. Us here at Microphones of Madness, if you've listened, you know, we've had some things happen in games that were uh, probably borderline, if not just outright terrible. However, that's what happens when you have a sidekick on the game. Right. Right. Um, we do have kind of an unspoken thing and we do have a not at our table rule and you know, it's, it was Wes. So none of us are afraid to call Wes out. Oh, wait, you're going to like go name Wes, but you're not going to name this other cat. <laughs> Adam Coble. <laughs> I don't know who the fuck that is. <laughs> I probably pronounced his name wrong and that's fine. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, you know, it's like I said, we're not afraid to call out Wes because, you know, we've been playing together so long. Microphones of Madness has been going on. Uh, it'll be six years, I think, this spring. So that's how long we've been playing together, uh, in one iteration or another. We actually have a bunch of new people. We do have a bunch of new people. We're playing with us. So, um, fortunately they're playing Traveler, which doesn't get very... Graphic, except for the cold-blooded murder. Well, I mean that's on you. Well, yeah, that that's all me. <laughs> that's on you. Not that's me. all me. 
I admit it. I freely admit it. Every cold-blooded murder that has taken place in that game has been me, with the exception of one. And you know who you are, Mr. Col- Trophy Collector. <laughs> Say his name again. <laughs> Wesley. But so, do not use Microphones of Madness as your example of good and proper play. We do have a dynamic that's a little bit different. Session Zero's consent. Well, we had a Session Zero for this Traveler game. Well, for did. the original people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was rolling up characters. and, and Right. Talking about how the game through. operated and right. things you were going to do. Now, one thing I have noticed... In some companies, uh, notably Call of Cthulhu adjunct uh, materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your Stygian foxes and your uh, golden goblins. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they publish something that ha- is has quote unquote mature content that deals with with adult issues. Mm-hmm. Um, they let you know right, like at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I know that there's um one that involves like um basically being raped by an elder god. That's the backstory, right? And and it lets you know that like if, if this bugs you, don't play this. Mm-hmm. Which is is another. I think that is a really. It's very simple. Uh, to do, and I think that goes a long way. Um, I guess some people will ignore it, mm-hmm. you uh, can, but I think some. Well, go ahead. But I think some most people are going to see that warning, and while they're reading through it, just kind of going over their players and who they're playing with, and saying, "Okay, can I run this? Can I? Shouldn't I run this? Blah blah blah." Uh, because I know I play Call of Cthulhu with my son who is 14 and his buddies who are all around 14, 15. And there's certain things I'm not going to run because of that. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, <laughs> um, I don't pull my punches when it comes to describing gross stuff to them. Right. Right. Blood flows out of eyes and people melt from the inside and all that great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the traumatic stuff, <laughs> not that that's not dramatic because it it is, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like fantasy violence, right? Um, as opposed to uh, reality violence, stuff that could happen, stuff that is traumatic. Um, you know, I, I will, I'll shy away from that. So if I see that warning in the beginning, I could, you know, say maybe not for them. Right, or or put your GM thinking cap on and coming up with a way to circumvent that. Well, instead of this, maybe I'll just change the sequence up or change this event a little bit to make, right. it, make it a little more palatable to my audience. As I said earlier, running a role-playing game is an exercise in creativity, and you as a GM are expected to come up with creative solutions. So... There you have it. Right. So it's it just, it's not like the tools aren't there mm-hmm. and haven't been there. 
Right. Because they, they are and they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just, it's stubbornness and just um, wanting to just, you know, push back against being told what to do. Right. You know, nobody wants to be told what they're doing is wrong. And right. when, when people get told what they're doing, you're doing this wrong because what's the mantra in, in RPG, there's no wrong way to, to play a game. Right. 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 Except for this, this is wrong. And people are telling you this is wrong. Nobody wants to hear that. So they, they push back. Mm-hmm. It's true. And they're like, oh, fucking woke bullshit. I want fucking grotesque violence and stuff. But uh, it's like the argument that comes up in the Call of Cthulhu forums once, twice a year about, um, well, racism was real in the 20s. uh, So, yeah, I'm going to have it in my game. And fuck you if you disagree. Well, that's that's related. That's Mm -hmm. that's. Related to this, completely related to all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, nobody wants to sit down to a game um, and then have the N word being thrown around Mm -hmm. just because you can. Right. It's the nineteen twenties. They said it all the time. No, you're just looking for an excuse. Yeah. Exactly. Um, It's it runs a gamut from just like hit just just maliciousness mm-hmm. to uh, willful ignorance. Right. Right. But that, yeah, that's, that's exactly the same thing. Um, now I will say that a lot of these consent in gaming um, pamphlets are worded kind of um, annoyingly. Mm. <laughs> They're very judgmental. Right. And I think that that does not help. <laughs> this is true. This is it, very it, true. You know, I, I think uh, hiring somebody who has experience in um, HR, <laughs> HR writing might be a good way to, to write these things so mm-hmm. they don't stand accusing uh, people of doing stuff. Right. Nobody likes to have their finger wagged at. People like gentleness. Uh, right. Maybe there should be a consent to read the consent pamphlet pamphlet. <laughs> well, I think maybe just just something that doesn't like uh, call out people for, for being assholes, even though they are, mm-hmm. you know, there's got to be a, a better way of, of saying that. Right. Right. Now, yeah. I would say I would say to sum up our advice because this started out as talking about Tasha's cauldron and a couple of the changes there. And it came, became game master advice for, you know, from idiots, from, from idiots. (laughs) Um, one, use your head Two, don't be afraid to change things that are just wrong. Uh, don't wait for the company to do it. If you want it to be different in your game, make it different. Three, Session zeros, consents, good idea. Talk to your players. And four, keep 30 luck points. And we'll see you next time.